Mia. It's about my squad of the movie and I, episode 114. I am your host and the master of ceremony, attending to reach the craft of Mario, and with me I have... Hi, I'm lots of spaghetti. <laughs> I spent hours, hours of, of my, my life stomping, stomping on Koopas. Koopas. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have a very special guest uh, returning from our uh, Tick Tick Boom episode. Oh, hi, I'm Izzy. <laughs> she got Izzy back, she doesn't hate us. Uh, Izzy, uh, plug something if you have anything. Uh, I just, I just, sometimes I'll post on Letterboxd, and I have an Instagram, you'll probably find me either under Ilmfay, I-L-M-F-A-Y, or Ismerp. I don't remember my socials. And, uh, if you can't tell by the whole getup uh, I'm wearing right now. Talking about Sonic, right? Uh, no, actually, you oh. piece of shit. I gotta go. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're actually talking about, uh, the latest, uh, Italian movie to hit the joint, uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie. But before we get into our <laughs> thoughts on the movie overall... I want to hear uh, about your history with the plumber, doctor, party maker, chef, known as uh, Mario Mario. Austin, we'll start with you. My first memory of like playing Mario is actually really pleasant. First girl I was ever friends with had an N64 in her basement, so I would go over there to play like Banjo Tooie and Mario 64. I'll never forget what it felt like to like get all the stars and go up on top of the castle and find Yoshi for the first time. Uh, first Mario game I ever owned at my house though was Sunshine, uh, which was a bad move. I'm pretty sure that the Manta Storm level is why I still take anti-anxiety meds now. If I was a guest, I'd say the blackouts are stress-related. But he's seven years old. What what kind of stress can a seven-year-old have? But to tell the truth, Mario had like the most influence on my life over stuff like car rides and airplane trips. Between the Game Boy Advance coming out when I was seven and the DS coming out when I was ten, Mario games were like the top shelf tequila of fucking handheld games. Yoshi's Island and Super Mario World are probably the best 2D platformers ever created that don't have Sonic in them. But nothing prepared me for Christmas of 2004 when I got Mario 64 DS. Playing a 3D platformer on a handheld was one of the greatest. We live in the future now. Now, moments of my entire life. And L was finally real. They put Luigi in the game. The absolute maniacs. They did it eight years later. It was like the avatar of handheld games. Uh, from there, there's nothing too notable to talk about, except maybe debate whether, like, Odyssey is better than Mario 64, which is kind of probably a heated conversation. It is. But as far as Mario media is concerned, I only knew of the Super Mario Bros. Super Show because it would, like, get mixed in sometimes with Philips CDI game cutscenes and YouTube poops. And that was about it. Until the this morning! In prep for this episode, I watched the 4K restoration of the 1986 Mario anime film and that 1993 live-action movie with Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. My thoughts on those movies sort of influenced my thoughts on the newest one. More on that soon. Back to you, Tanner. Uh, I, I just want to clarify, uh, when you say that your first uh, Mario game being Sunshine was a, quote, bad move, uh, what do you mean by that? Mario 64 is better than Sunshine. Shut the fuck up. Fuck you. Joe, <laughs> you're next. Alright, so my history with Mario Mario. So I, I actually have props. I'm going to show you the game console that I had growing up, um, and it's the exact one. Uh, and it's called the PlayStation 2. Oh, it's the big box one. So, shit. <laughs> this was the system that I grew up on. And um, unfortunately, as a result, that means I didn't play that many Mario games growing up because I had that thing most of my life. Uh, I was playing Jack and Daxter in Silent Hill. Oh, praise to the PlayStation! Yeah! 
But I got to a point where I was able to um, play Mario games as a kid. Like, even before that, I would, like, play, like, a couple of Mario games here and there at, like, a friend's house. Like, Mario Party, Mario 64. I think that was my first Mario game. Eventually, my cousins and my brother got Nintendo DSs. I got the PSP. But that did not stop me from asking to borrow the Nintendo DS for the PSP. And I would play a bunch of Mario games that my brother had or my cousin had. There was always the Bob Hoskins uh, Super Mario Brothers movie that I could play on my PlayStation 2. But eventually I would get Nintendo systems. I'd be playing more Mario a little bit more consistently. But growing up, it was more sparse. Oh, YouTube poops. That was the other way. Uh, I hope she made lots of spaghetti. Uh, All toasters toast toast. There you go, Austin. Back to you, Tanner. That's my history with Mario. For the record, this is a real man's console. <laughs> Mine's bigger, motherfucker. <laughs> but his is portable. Joe, you should know size doesn't matter, number one. And number two, mine has a handle. I bet your penis doesn't have a handle. I mean, game console. Tim, back to you. <laughs> So there was a period in my early childhood where my parents kind of limited how much I was allowed to play video games, but I do remember in like kindergarten, first grade, basically any waking hour that I was able to play video games, I was spending that time on Super Mario 64 and Donkey Kong 64. Loved the hell out of those games. Was I good at them? Not really, but I liked playing them. I remember very vividly, like, whenever I would play Super Mario 64, I just loved getting the metal cap. It was just like when you'd see Metal Mario as a kid, I'd just go full crow and just be like, this motherfucker's shiny as fuck. And I also remember my brother had the soundtrack CD, and I would always listen to the Bowser boss battle theme on repeat. Loved that shit. It was great. Uh, a relatively more recent memory involving Mario is uh, a couple of years ago on my 21st birthday, me and my brother went drinking uh, at his friend's bar and then uh, his now wife drove us back to their house and uh, we played some Mario Kart 64, which is where I learned firsthand why drunk driving is bad. Uh, I would just spend like several minutes at a time going the wrong way and I'd have the little guy over me going wrong way and I'm just like, hey, what's up, little buddy? Uh, Hold everything. A tow truck has just raced onto the track and he's driving backwards. Yeah, Mario's always been sort of a constant force. Like, I, I loved Super Mario Sunshine. I loved the Smash Brothers games. I didn't necessarily main any of the Mario characters in Smash Brothers except maybe Bowser, but I've just always enjoyed Mario as this character in pop culture and in media. So that's about it. Back to you, Tim. Tim, I just want to ask a clarifying question. So you said a couple years ago that birthday party happened? Nine is a couple years. After nine years, you know what I realize? I don't want to remember nothing. <laughs> All right, uh, now on to the uh, guest of the uh, evening, Izzy. How about your history with Mario? 
My first memorable experience is that my family would go on these road trips and we had a minivan and I don't know how my dad did it, but he was able to wedge in like a small TV in there and then hook up a Nintendo 64. So we played Smash Bros and Mario 64 all the time on road trips. And then from there, I think my next console really was the GameCube. And I mainly either played Smash or Mario Party or Mario Kart. I never really played like any main games. And then from there, when the whole Bowsette trend went off, I, for one Halloween, went as Chompette and made my own little little lad, my little chain chomp. He's always been just a constant pop culture figure. Obviously, he's been alive longer than I have been, but just always, always there. Back to you. Uh, We're about to talk about my history with Mario. Here we fucking go. Attention gamers. My earliest memory is me playing Mario 64, jumping around Bomb Bomb Battlefield. And I should have known I was a mutant freak child even back then, because apparently even as a child, so you guys know the N64 controller and how it has the three prongs. And if you used an analog stick game, you held the middle and the right one. And if you played a game that used the D-pad, you used the left and the right one. Apparently ever since I was a kid, I just always ignored that middle one and held it from the sides, even when using the analog stick. I guess I've just always had freakish mutant hands. The earliest memory I have of spending my own money was when I went up to my mom after seeing commercial saying, Mom, the game keeps only $99. Can we get it? And my mom said, if you can pay for it. And I went, okay. And this is what my mom discovered. I just apparently never spent any of the money I got for birthdays and stuff. I was able to scrounge up $99. My parents covered tax uh, because they were proud of me. And I bought this GameCube. It came with a copy of Mario Party 7. And if you want to know how lonely I was as a child, the only way I have played Mario Party 7 is as a single player game. Short for Magnetic Attitude, he's a one-man party. Beyond that, Mario has always been there. The Mario games are some of my favorite games ever. I put an ungodly amount of hours into Super Mario Sunshine. I've also put an ungodly amount of hours into Super Mario 64. I um, haven't put that much time into Mario Galaxy, but it's not because I don't like it. I like it a lot. I just didn't like using the Wiimote for a platformer, which is why when they released Mario Galaxy on the Switch a couple years ago, I actually played it a ton then. Uh, And of course, uh, one of my favorite games ever made is Super Mario Odyssey. I've played all the Mario Karts, all the Mario Parties. Um, I've put hundreds of hours into Mario Golf Toadstool Tour. Don't know why. I just really like it. I've always liked Donkey Kong, all the Mario Martin, as it were. Look at him. They fucked him up. They took away his nose. Mario's always been there. And, you know, the live action movie with Hoskins, it's not a good Mario movie. However, it is one of the most fascinating disasters I've ever witnessed. Not even on like a so bad it's good level. It's just fascinating and kind of fun. Just how badly it misses the mark. I I just love that this married couple that had never made a movie before were given carte blanche to do a Mario movie and then went, that's fine, but we're going to make the movie we want to make. We'll figure out a way to make it Mario later. I absolutely love the story where Bob Hoskins went to like his son or his grandkid and was like, oh, you're Mario dad? This is who you're playing. He points at the TV of Mario, and apparently Bob Hoskins' response was, I used to play King Rhea. So when they were going to do a movie, an animated movie, I was like, yeah, let's go. And then they said Illumination, and I went, no! Not that I hate Illumination's movies. 
I like some of them. I think the first two Despicable Me movies especially are very good. However, they don't tend to make very exceptional movies. And I thought, because of the sort of video game curse we've been on, a Mario movie needed to be good or else Nintendo was never going to let anyone make a movie with their IP again. So the Mario movie needed to be good. Was it any good? I don't know. We'll find out here in a second as we move on to our second question. What are our overall thoughts on the Mario movie? Joe, we're going to start with you. My thoughts on the Mario movie. I had a fun time watching this movie. Everything about it was fun. Now, does that constitute a good movie per se? Not entirely. I think there are definitely issues like with just the general like story structure. Plots are resolved just like that. They kind of just breeze through a lot of the issues in this movie. And there's no real sense of conflict whatsoever. I think the and I know this is an illumination trope, especially for this movie. I think the use of pop songs that just needed to be cut. I think we need like a 10 year ban on using I Need a Hero needle drops in movies. I can't believe you know that song. Yeah, Bonnie Tyler. It was just in the Tetris film too. I know, that's what I was thinking about. It was, it was in the Tetris movie twice. She's holding out for a hero, Norman. It peaked in Bullet Train. That should have been the No, end it peaked in Shrek 2. It peaked in Bullet Train recently. I think pop songs in the Mario movie just does not fucking fit at all. And it's honestly extremely distracting. Just keep it orchestral. Play themes, which they did in the orchestra. You, you got the classic Mario theme. They got the fucking Mario rap from the Super Brothers show. They even played the castle theme from fucking 64. They should have just kept it to that. With those issues, like, kind of aside, everything else is done really well. Honestly, I think Illumination's, like, reuse of character models is more appropriate here than anywhere else. The actors do a fine job, even though I will say the one actor I find kind of distracting is Anya Taylor-Joy, just because I recognize her voice mostly. Everyone else is doing it. Actually, no, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen's another exception. It's a very good-looking movie. I acknowledge that it's mostly for children, and that's okay, because children's movies can be fun. There are definitely issues, but I had fun. Back to you, Tanner. Um, I will say I agree with you completely on the musical soundtrack thing. No pop songs with one exception. Um, the Beastie Boys have never been used poorly in a movie ever. No exceptions. Keep Brooklyn. You can trash the rest of the pop songs. Tim. So listen, I'm a 30 year old white guy on the Internet. I don't want to go on a rant about how children's cartoons are bad these days because they're woke or whatever. But I do want to say some things about Illumination just because I do think that they as a studio are a little egregious in ways that like even Disney and DreamWorks aren't. Uh, and I think this can be mostly highlighted by a trailer that they played before this movie for a movie called Migration, which is the worst fucking trailer I've ever seen in my life. It's so bad. The first two thirds of that trailer are just footage from other movies, and they give that movie like 30 fucking seconds. 
that just demonstrates a lack of care in the movie they're advertising. So when I see that they're doing Mario, I'm like, they're just gonna crap something out for the fuck of it because people know the IP and they know the studio. That was kind of my expectations going in actually watching it. I'll say this at least, it's sure as hell a better first movie than the first Sonic movie. <laughs> but I never sat in a bar stool before! So squishy! Oh, look at this, it spins! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Not nearly as good as the second one, but it's a better start. I think it's like basically everything Joe was saying. It's a fun time. It's not a particularly good movie, but like it's definitely for the kids and the kids are going to love it. Uh, and if you're an adult and you've grown up with the games, you'll appreciate the Easter eggs. Like I love that Luigi's ringtone was the GameCube sound. Uh, I did like the little Charles Martinet cameo, even though he should fucking been Mario in the movie. Jack Black was great as Bowser, which that was basically the draw for 90% of the adults watching was, I, I want to see Jack Black as Bowser. Like, my girlfriend knows nothing about Mario. She just wanted to go see Jack Black in this movie. <laughs> Overall, yeah, you know if you're gonna watch it or not. It is what it is. Uh, if, you, if you've got kids, take them to the movie. Alright, uh, Izzy, Izzy, I'm uh, excited to hear your thoughts. I think I saw you gave it three stars on Letterbox. I sure did. I have a lot of thoughts about it. Not bad, just thoughts. So I think the big one for me was them starting off in Brooklyn when it's an animated movie. Animation allows you to break reality. So you don't have to, like, connect it to a human yeah. piece. Everybody knows who Mario is. We don't need an origin story. You could just start him off in Mushroom Kingdom. And off of that, like, the only chemistry Mario and Peach had were the fact that they were human. And I thought that was weird. I thought before Mario puts on his white gloves in the beginning of the movie, I had, like, a real cat's moment where, like, you saw his human hands. I went with a couple friends and we were like, oh, <laughs> like, that's terrifying. And I mean... Illumination is a studio that exists. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> so you could tell in the beginning when they could like add any originality, there really wasn't any. Um, one of the dads in the Mario family looks like the dad from Inside Out, and nobody else has said anything about it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Chris Pratt cannot hold down a voice, which was very, very distracting. I think the Mamma Mia slow down joke two times in the movie was two times too many. It's a me, a Mario. That's not the voice. And Jack Black's performance really carried it through and really brought the magic and life of Mario into the movie. I also found his song to be very endearing. Near the end of the song where he just says peaches, peaches, I was like, are you saying bitches? Bitches, <laughs> <laughs> bitches, 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 bitches. Yeah, I was like, we're really going there. I think I like the call to Luigi's Mansion. Not a lot of plot stuff was resolved, not too much character development, and I think they were showing off more environmental scenes than they were showing, like trying to tell a story. All good stuff, Izzy. I agree with you about how the only thing uh, Mario and Peach uh, bond over is the fact that they're both humans, which is funny. Uh, but I, I want to get this out of the way real quick. What's really funny about Peach in this movie is how much of the marketing caused a bunch of fuckheads online to be like, Mario movie woke. Why Princess Peach tough girl? In the movie, she's, she's still a fucking damsel in distress most of the time. 
It was because of the outfit that turned out to be she was just wearing that because she was in her cart. Yeah, what's oh. really funny is that like all the people that are like Mario movie too woke, I've seen all of them turn around and be like, Mario movie doing well because anti-woke. And I'm like, pick a lane. Right. I had a quick question, I guess, for the group. What did we think about the Luma? The what? The star that was depressed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. That was that was my favorite bit. Everybody loves some nihilism in this house. They knew it was good because they ended the movie on that character. It, like, pops oh, yeah. up on screen at the last minute. Yeah. There's no escape. The only hope is the sweet relief of death. Whoa! Oh, you've got to be kidding me! <laughs> well, Austin, since you said you wanted to talk about it, what else about this movie do you want to talk about? Well, reading interviews with the directors, Aaron Horvath and Michael Jelinek, two dudes whose biggest claim to fame is developing Teen Titans Go and directing the movie. The movie's very good! It is a great movie. It is a good. decent movie. Yeah, it is way better than the show. It is my comfort movie. I will, I push people to watch it all the time. Well, when these directors were getting interviewed by Animation Magazine, they told Animation Magazine the Mario movie required the opposite approach to what they'd done previously with Teen Titans Go. Because Teen Titans Go was able to be irreverent because fans already had a satisfying Teen Titans series that played it straight. But on Mario, they knew there had never been a great, straightforward Mario movie from the States. So they decided to try to make it cinematic and emotional without the meta humor. Big, big kind of gear shift for them. And it turned out good. Although it's unmistakably, as like a lot of us have said, a film best enjoyed by little children or fans of the game who don't mind watching a movie meant for little children. The movie has a few simple things that it does over and over, and then it lets you go with plenty of time left in your night to go hit the McDonald's drive-through. Those things are as follows. It looks quite good for an Illumination movie. The directors told IGN that Illumination Studios Paris, who did the movie, improved their lighting and rendering tech for this show so they could pull off stuff like Rainbow Road. Uh, beyond the candy-colored surface, the movie's jokes tended to land, at least for me, which is kind of crazy. Highlights for me were Luigi saying funny things while being mustache-tortured, and uh, that Luma in Bowser's jail who had been driven insane by despair. <laughs> This movie's screenwriter, Matthew Fogel, he doesn't have a lot of things under his belt, but from his very limited portfolio, this is more Lego Movie 2 and less Minions Rise of Gru. Lastly, the movie's very kinetic. There are a few choice wonders in here of people hopping around that actually manage to become entertaining enough that you're not just sitting there thinking the usual, like, why am I not just playing a Mario game right now instead of watching this movie? There's plenty of colorful moving parts, and the movie's an absolute blast to watch in 3D. One funny thing worth noting, this movie is almost identical to the 1986 animated film as far as what it's trying to do. Nintendo already had a kid-friendly, game-faithful, quick-paced Mario movie, and it came out 37 years ago. It's sort of funny knowing that it only took Nintendo three years to make a serviceable Mario film in Japan, but with Hollywood being how Hollywood is, it took them 40 years to do the same exact thing here. That is far out, man. I'll bet that's Mario. Fashionably late, per the norm. So yeah, to wrap it up before I run out of lives, Illumination Studios is still winning, pumping out movies that make little kids laugh like hyenas and make boingo bucks at the box office. It's simple and formulaic, but competently made in a way that elevates the IP. 
We're gonna get at least two more of these. Also, it's officially 1991 again. Sonic and Mario are back in a new arena, and just like last time, the Hedgehog is for kids with attitude, and Mario is just for kids, period. Boom, baby, the eternal war rages on. Back to you, Tanner. Great stuff, Austin. All right, my time to shine. Hello. Um, a lot of uh, reviews and articles and um, just general discussions about uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Call it a movie. And I am here to argue that this is barely a movie. It's more a collection of jokes and set pieces glued together awkwardly. In a way I found actually genuinely really charming and entertaining, but it is barely a movie. It barely has a plot. It barely has characters. But you know what it does have? A bunch of things from video games that I went over. So, you know, it has some charm to it. For me personally, my the biggest surprise for this movie was um, the cast. I thought uh, mostly across the board was really good. I thought, for me personally, Chris Pratt was surprisingly pretty good. I had no issues with his voice. I thought it seemed pretty consistent. I also have the ears of a 90-year-old hyena, so your mileage yeah. may vary. You sure do. <laughs> um, oh, boy. <laughs> I guess it's more my... Maybe it's more my expectations were so low that the fact that it seemed fine made me go... Oh, cool. What was really disappointing to me was Anya Taylor-Joy, who I think you can tell has never done a voice acting before, because boy, let me tell you, it shows. All of her lines are delivered really flatly and monotone. This is Fred Armisen erasure. Okay, listen, the voice didn't really fit the character. I never saw Cranky Kong as a Jewish grandpa, <laughs> but... I like Jewish Grandpa, so I was kind of okay with it. I thought it was Bernie for a second. I really thought that was Bernie. Bernie Sanders is Cranky Kong. <laughs> the top 5% of the top 1% is getting 79% of the bananas. I have my disagreements with Princess Peach, but we cannot re-elect King K. Rool. <laughs> I did like seeing things from the game I recognized. I got really excited every time they went to that side-scroller thing, like when they in Brooklyn mm -hmm. the first time or when they're trying to get to the Bowser's Castle around the Mushroom uh, Kingdom. The fact that I love that so much, though, made it all the more disappointing that the final confrontation with Bowser isn't played like that at all. It would have been a lot cooler if they did, like, the Mario and Luigi finally team up to um, beat Bowser in that side-scrolling thing, and it especially would have showed maybe a little more development for Luigi, considering he was not good at it at the start, for him to be better at it at the end. Speaking of Luigi, my second biggest problem with this movie is that it's called the Super Mario Brothers movie, but Luigi is barely in the goddamn thing, which is a shame because I really loved Charlie Day's Luigi. He played mm. the coward thing incredibly well. He was a great pick. In 90% of this movie's runtime, he's in a cage. Luigi's yeah. more a damsel in distress than Peaches. <laughs> yeah. And I understand that's what they were going for, and I kind of like that aspect of it. I just wish maybe there were more scenes with Luigi. This movie might have benefited from being longer, actually, to, like, give it more of a plot, or at the bare minimum, give Luigi more to do. Because, like, they go from Mushroom Kingdom, Montage, Donkey Kong, like, we're on Rainbow, the movie's over. It's like, what? Yeah. I do love the, both of the Charles Martinet cameos. I loved it when he was the guy in the pizzeria. But this is also the more frustrating thing. He also plays Mario's father in a much more subdued version of the Mario voice, kinda. Which just tells me the thing I've always said when I said, why don't they just cast Charles Martinet, the guy from the games? People be like, you can't listen to that voice for two hours. And I'll respond with, Charles Martinet is a goddamn voice actor. He can probably mm -hmm. do the same voice he does in the games, just subdued and less intense. 
Yeah. What do you think, Ethan? <laughs> Sounds like capitalist company. <laughs> Uh, in conclusion, I gave the movie four stars. I had a lot of fun with it. The jokes mostly land. I thought the set pieces were really good, especially that one shot in Rainbow Road. That shit was nuts and really cool. If the movie was more of that, I think I'd like it even more. I really did like the moment where Luigi uh, fights off the fire beam with the manhole cover. That's kind of cool. I like the movie a lot. I'm excited for sequels, potentially. Now that they've kind of laid the groundwork, I think there's a lot of potential here to maybe make something more unique and special? We'll see. Uh, what else did we think of the Mario movie? They'll find out after this brief commercial break. I'm Captain Lou Elbano talking about drugs. Kids, don't be afraid to say drugs. Anyone that asks you to use drugs is Captain Lou Elbano. Remember, don't be afraid to turn to your drugs. Your priest, your rabbi, your minister, you can kill. You go to hell before you die. Hi, welcome back from Ad Break for another ad. MoviePalette.com. Colors. Movie. Canvas. Go to MoviePalette.com. Order one of your own. Use the code SQUAD15 at checkout for 15% off. And now, back to the show. Izzy, you said you had something to say? I never want to hear Chris Pratt say meow ever again in my life. Meow. Ah! You got the cat box! <laughs> I've okay. never been more distressed in a movie theater, and I saw cats in a movie theater. So my friend who streams with his now wife, their cake play on Twitch, when I mentioned that to him, he said, you know what I thought of? I thought of the Sonic movie when he goes, uh, meow. Meow? Oh! <laughs> so I don't know what the trope is with the video game characters meowing, but this is my plea to make it stop. The final battle with uh, Bowser where they get the star, uh, that did remind me a lot of like the final battle in that first Sonic movie where they're just like in the middle of a fucking road and Sonic gets the like blue quill that makes him go super whatever, not super Sonic, but the blue thing. I feel like they were taking cues from that. How'd everyone like the dog bit in the beginning? Because that felt a lot like an Illumination movie, but I, I had no okay time with the dog. Oh, the dog that's like, I got beef with Luigi? I thought oh, at the beginning yeah. it was whatever, but I really liked how it came back at the end where Luigi did like, the fucking dog did the you are right nod to, to Luigi. That was fucking hysterical. <laughs> so one thing that sort of emphasizes how bonkers the 1993 live action film was. So all three Mario films have a scene in the first act where Mario and Luigi get transported from real life into the Mushroom Kingdom, right? In the anime film, and in this new one, they decided to make it like they're being sucked through a rainbow portal. You know, probably we'd all make the same creative decision. But in the 1993 film, Mario completely fucking disintegrates and then flies through a landscape that looks like Christian hell. Filmmakers in the 90s had a really weird bug up their asses, dudes. Yeah, that actually reminds me how in the theater, I, I couldn't help. I haven't seen that anime movie, so I guess it's more similar to that. But in the theater, the entire time I went, does this have the exact same opening premise as the live action movie? And you know what? It kind of does. Mario and Luigi are a plumbing company that accidentally, while trying to help the city or whatever, fall into the d deeper sewers, find this secret room that they're not supposed to know about, and get transported to another world. It's like the same first act. It's kind of nuts. 
Yeah, except Peach is a little more ass-kicky in this one. They actually, the, the directors gave an actual explanation for why they made her like that. And they weren't just like, oh, it's good, you know, because women have to be strong in the movies. So their explanation in-universe was that the Toads are so useless, so vulnerable, so bad at fighting, that of course Peach has to know how to fight. Like, if she can't kick ass, those Toads would be dead by now. The scene where they're like, and then they raised me until they made me their princess. And presumably the princess is like the head of state in this Mushroom Kingdom. But I remember thinking about that afterwards. I was like, who the fuck was in charge before that? Who was like, who are they paying taxes to? It's the Fungus King from the, the live action movie. Just the big ball of fungus from the ceiling. To be fair, though, that does kind of, from the Mario games that I have played, that does seem to track for the Toad people. King Toadstool exists. Okay, he's he's an exception. Everyone else. Presumably, at least King Codestool is actually in charge in the games, presumably. Let's be honest, the Mario games aren't really focused on lore and canon that much. I was explaining that to my girlfriend. Uh, she was like, I don't know anything about Mario. I'm like, well, basically, there's just a bunch of guys. If you ask me what is Mario about, I'm like, it's a guy, he jumps, and he saves the princess? I guess he also gives himself a bunch of concussions. I do kind of <laughs> like the bit where they made Mario hate mushrooms. I liked it maybe the first time, and I got tired of it very quickly. This movie repeats its gags like one too many times for every gag. Well, yeah. that's just on track with Illumination. Yeah, because when the Luma popped up at the last like bit of the movie, I was like, oh, this was funny until just now. Literally, my favorite gag throughout the whole thing was him being like, for a PG movie, having this cutesy character go, the only mercy is death. It's like, whoa! And then they fucked it up. Oh, did anyone stay for the after credit scene? Because boy, did, was, yeah, that, did, I did. was that not worth yeah, it no. on my end? I, 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 I was like, oh, cool, green Yoshi. I would have liked it more if Yoshi turned to the camera and said, congrats on collecting all of the power stars. <laughs> One of my friends asked, he was like, is this a Godzilla reference? Like, what is this? Yeah, no, that was definitely, like, in the same, like, framing as that 1997 yeah. Godzilla. Okay, let's just pump Yoshi with, like, a bunch of human growth hormone, right? What? Okay, make him as big as Godzilla. Okay, let me finish. Who wins, giant Yoshi or King Kong? I need you to watch Okta and, like, rethink what you're saying. Is the plot of Okja that they give Yoshi human growth hormone? And then everybody eats him in 10 years. Bong Joon-ho is a fucking visionary. I feel like what we're all hitting on is that there's so much that it's forgettable. And I feel like had they not tried to cram so much in and really fleshed out on the basics of what they had, it could have been so much better. Because I think the next day I was like, what happened in this movie? <laughs> Honestly, you could cut the Kongs. They just needed to focus on a main conflict and just kind of like had like maybe one or two subplots, but they just needed to keep everything focused and straight. Instead, they just throw in like all these like mini conflicts at you and then they just freaking resolve them so quickly that you have like no time to process it. Right. The stakes aren't even there. Like, there doesn't even feel like there's an actual threat. 
Bowser is barely a threat because I'm gonna be honest here, even though his introduction is great and I love Jack Black's performance in it, part of the problem here is because he's played up as a sort of a pathetic incel type, he doesn't feel that threatening to me. I just go, yeah. oh yeah, a guy that lives in his mom's basement and is telling me that I'm uh, a child groomer or whatever. Cool, I guess. That's not very threatening to me personally. <laughs> this is just another asshole. Bowser would definitely win the Electoral College but lose the popular vote. Tanner's super quick trivia corner. The designs for Mario and Luigi's family are actually based off of concept art that Nintendo had for Mario and Luigi all those years ago that they kept. Also, since we didn't bring it up, the actress in the commercial is the same actress from the voice of Peach from the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. That's cool. Final thoughts now time. Austin, go. Uh, some movies are like fun houses, some movies are like luxury cars. This movie's more simple with what it aims to do, but it's goddamn reliable, kind of like a shiny new toaster. And you know what they say? All toasters toast toast. Joe, go. In a world where uh, Sonic 2, Silent Hill, and Lara Croft Tomb Raider Angelina Jolie exist, this is not in any way the best video game movie. However, is it a fun video game movie? Absolutely. Disposable, but fun. Uh, if you just want to have fun at the movies, go watch it. Take your kids. Your kids are probably going to love it more than you do, though. Back to you, Tanner. All right, Tim, go. It may move slow. It doesn't jump high, but this movie is one hell of an okay time. Uh, go if you want to go see it. Uh, and if you do drugs, you'll go to hell before you die. Back to you, Tanner. Was that a DK rap thing you were doing? It was. Uh, fuck the producers of this movie for not crediting Grant Kirkfope. What the fuck was up with that? Izzy, final True. thoughts. Illumination has no originality and really thrived on the fact that they were able to use this property and use what it already had. Go in with your brain empty and leave with your brain empty. That's my secret, Cap. My brain's always empty. Uh, this is barely a movie. It's a collection of set pieces and jokes loosely stapled together. It barely makes sense. There are barely characters. There are barely plots. I had a great time with the movies, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. I did get emotional when Luigi saved Mario at the end because I'm a little baby, baby, baby. Like the Mario babies that show up in this. I forgot that happened. Oh, my God. That does have what? The, this movie's 90 minutes. How did we forget half of it? You know who isn't a baby, baby, baby? Who? You! Oh. For the of this episode of Squad and Movie Night. Thank you very much for watching this episode. This feels like a hate crime. It's anti-Italian discrimination. If you are like, listening to this episode on any of the audio the platforms we are on, we very much appreciate it. Go ahead and leave it a review down below. And if you are watching this on the Spotify video, we hope you enjoyed this video on the censored version of the Bomber Squad of the Movie Night. <laughs> we really appreciate it. If you are watching on there, how about you mosey on down over to our Patreon. Uh, uh, go ahead and throw some money. We're going to have some much rewards launching here very soon. If you are watching this on the YouTube, uh, thank you all so very much for watching. Go down to the comment section below and let us know uh, what did you think of the Mario movie? Did you think that Chris Pratt was a good Mario? Do you think I could have done a better job? And, uh, uh, does your part have a handle? Comment below and let me know. And while you're down there, go ahead and hit the like button so we know how much you like us. Hit the subscribe button so we know how much you love us. And hit the bell icon so you can know exactly when we get the new videos. Woohoo! Is, is this racist? Yes! Thank you again also very much for watching. We really appreciate it. Go ahead and turn in next week when we discuss... We'll see you then! Woohoo! So long, Gabowza!
So long, Gabel. So long, Gabel. It's a stone, Luigi. You didn't make it. Yo, yo, it's the Mario Brothers. And plumbing's the game. Found the secret water zone while working on the drain. Linda purchased a hand in the mushroom land. Turn the action with the plumbers. You'll be hooked on the brothers. Now, evil Koopa and his troopers are up to misbehaving. They kidnapped the princess mushroom land. Spaghetti. <laughs>